please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. I am your host, Doug King, and this week I really want to focus in on some of the reporting that's going on on the presidential election. Um, there's been a lot of kind of oddities that I've noticed about the media in this presidential election cycle. And I guess sitting behind this microphone every week, I get a little bit of different take on things than, than some other people do. I mean, I, I bounce back and forth. I wear a lot of hats, right? I think most of you know that I'm a criminal defense attorney full time. But on top of that, I also do work with the Libertarian Party of Georgia. This year I ran for county commissioner up in Bartow. Wasn't able to get the signatures necessary to meet Georgia's draconian ballot access laws. But I, I kind of float through some different spheres and some different areas. And one of the things that I'm starting to become more and more, by virtue of this show, is a, a journalist. Now, I don't think of myself as a journalist. I, I think of myself as a broadcaster. I, I come in here every week, and sometimes, you know, Jesse's able to join me, and sometimes she's not. But I come in here every week with the goal of talking to you about some of my perspectives and things that I see going on and giving you a hopefully different perspective than what you hear on a day-to-day basis. And, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, my job is not really to entertain you. I'm not trying to make you happy or sad or, or, or elicit emotion. I'm not quoting Shakespearean sonnets to you on the air. I, am trying to get you to think. And that, that is my goal. My goal is to inspire thought and inspire debate and get people talking about things and maybe give you some tools to talk about it in a different way, right? So I'm a broadcaster. I don't think of myself as a journalist. What is a journalist then? A journalist is someone, I mean, if you break the word down, we're talking about someone who keeps a journal. This is someone who goes around and, and, and catalogs what is going on in human society. And this is a very essential role in a democratic republic where freedom reigns because you need a free press who is giving this, this kind of running monologue of the human condition so that people can see outside of their own little world. If you go back to the early 1900s, okay? So we're going to go back 120 years, right in there, right? That kind of, give me 15 years on either side of that mark and look at the way people lived. Most people didn't go anywhere. They they lived very close to their homes. They they, they didn't go very far from where they were born. I, I believe there was some kind of number that people moved less than 10 miles from the place they were born throughout their whole lives. And so the only way that someone who was growing up in a tenement in New York City would know anything about life in South Carolina or someone in Texas would know about life in Minnesota or someone in California and San Francisco would know about life in New York would be through reading newspapers and reading journals and reading magazines that would have information about the way these lives were lived and what was going on in their society. And so that is what a journalist does. A journalist goes out and and finds stories and presents these stories so that people can get a taste of of life beyond their front door right but we've had kind of a, a shift right there there was a time 
And I think that you know, it was yesterday. It was Friday, the the fourth of November. That was Walter Cronkite's one hundredth birthday. If he was still with us, he would have been one hundred yesterday. Now, Walt was was a peach of a guy, right? I mean, this was someone who America looked to, and when when Kennedy was shot, they turned to Walter Cronkite. When America landed on the moon, they turned to Walter Cronkite. He was America's newscaster. He was America's anchorman, and he was the embodiment of a different kind of journalism. He was the embodiment of a journalism that believed in putting the story first. And, you know, some of the people who were on uh, 60 Minutes and in the, the early years who did the investigative journalism to really put out, you know, what, where there was, you know, companies that were doing dangerous things to the environment or not taking care of their workers or scamming people or getting the in-depth interviews and, and asking tough questions but allowing the interviewee to speak you know, a tough question is a question where the answer is not going is not suggested by the question, right? These are the open-ended questions, and I'm going somewhere with the type of questioning here. So th- this has some purpose to it, right? I'm foreshadowing term there. So the questions are kind of open-ended, but they're on difficult topics. You know, Russia is is uh, conducting electronic espionage against the Democratic Party. What do you think we should do about that? That's a tough question because it has the 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 answer must be nuanced. It involves international relations, it involves domestic politics. That's a tough question. But it's an open-ended question because it says, what do we do? What would you do? Talk. Put out your views. Let the people decide whether your views are worth having or not. Right? Now, an e- a softball question is something more like um, million. If you were to ask Secretary Clinton, millions of Americans seem disenfranchised by Donald Trump. What are your views on that? Well, I mean, obviously, she's going to be thrilled that millions of Americans are dis. I mean, it's an easy question to answer. It doesn't involve complicated issues of foreign and domestic policy. That's an, a softball question. Okay. And throughout all time, journalists have thrown hardball and softball questions at their interviewees. But the the defining characteristic of the interview is that the interviewee, the subject of the interview, is allowed to speak. They are allowed to talk, and they talk about the issue, and then another question is presented to them. And, you know, great interviewers like Barbara Walters, people that we think of as giving great interviews over the years are people who allow the subject to speak and who are able to ask the questions to get the subject to open up and to reveal themselves for who they are, right? I mean, that's the goal of an interviewer, is not to lead the stage, but to allow the person they're interviewing to be open and forthright and to show who they are and so that you get a sense of this person. That by watching this interview, you know who they are as a human being, that you start to feel like an old friend with them. That is the goal. If, if I ever interview somebody at, for the purpose of being a journalist, that's what I would do. Now, I know that some of you have listened to me interview people on this show. That is not what I do, right? That is not my nature. I am not a journalist, and I've never said I'm a journalist. I'm a broadcaster. I happen to be able to to, to broadcast on this station, and apparently get fan mail. Um, I, I got some fan mail today here. It's it's kind of cool. And laminated, 
This is it's Hillary Clinton eye chart. It's kind of interesting. A gentleman who mailed me this, I, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. It doesn't have any white powder in the bottom of the envelope. All very awesome. Um, I'm going to take that and show it to Jesse and um, hang it up on, on our studio office here and in the georgiacarry.org studios. Uh, very, very cool. So thank you, sir. But, um, you know, I, I don't try to be impartial. I don't try to help my interviewee along. What I do is I do what I do best, which is cross-examine. And when I'm crossing somebody for work, I am not trying to get them to look good on the stand. My job in crossing is to testify. When I cross-examine every single witness who takes a stand, I am testifying. They happen to be there, but I am testifying. And the way this works is I ask them yes or no questions that are carefully structured and tailored so that they must answer the way I expect them to answer. If they don't, they look foolish. And by guiding their testimony in that way, I am able to get the information that I know to be true that they are trying to obfuscate out to the jury so that my client will win. That's my goal. That's my job is to testify. I am not a journalist. I'm a lawyer. Okay? So why are so many journalists turning into prosecutors? Have you noticed this? Have you watched some of the questions that are being asked and the way interviews are being conducted? The journalists, you know, we're, I'm thinking, especially, remember last week I played you a, an extended interview between Megan Kelly and Newt Gingrich because I thought that it was so absolutely telling, and I think it still is. I think that that interview, and if you haven't heard it, look it up on YouTube or listen to last week's show because I played it in its entirety to be fair to both parties. You know, I, I know Rush like doesn't do the other newscasters. He he reads their question and then lets the interviewees answer play. I thought that it would be unfair to the the journalist and to the interviewee to have that played in snippets because her tone and her mannerisms were as much the story as were the the words of the interview. So listen to that again. Go back and listen to that and tell me that she is not prosecuting a case there. She has a a line item that she needs to get across. She has a narrative that she is trying to uh, put forward and she is going to use this interview to advance a narrative. That's not journalism. That's being a lawyer. Now, I don't have any problem with that. You know, that that's fine. If that's the way that you want to be, if you want to, to not be a journalist, if you want to just be a, a media personality, if you want to be a lawyer, if you feel that your true calling was being Perry Mason and you're born, you know, 10 decades too late, well, that's your prerogative. Go for it. Just be honest about it, right? I mean, the only thing that I ask is that you be honest about what you're you're doing when you conduct an interview like this, that you're going to, on the attack, that you're going to hold them to task, that you're going to grill them and make them answer the way you want to answer. Yeah, you know, I do that too. I did that to, to Dexter Sharper. We, we held him and held his feet to the fire. I was pleasant. I was polite. I was respectful. But my goodness, we're going to hold your feet to the fire on issues. And I think that that's a perfectly appropriate thing for a media personality, but not for a journalist. If you're going to be a news reporter, then you need to report what the news is and not put your finger on the scale. I'm over time. I'll be right back. And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. So when we took the break, I was looking at the the way that media personalities are becoming more and more eh, like me. <laughs> that they're starting to try to advance the narrative that their questions are becoming more and more an argument and less of a question. And we've seen this come out in, in a variety of interviews, especially, I mean, if you listen to any sort of liberal media, this news cycle, they are becoming defensive, they're becoming angry, and they're trying to advance a narrative. And they're seizing on certain topics, which I think are indicative of this move into prosecuting the news. Okay? The biggest one. Liberal bias in the media. They are always willing to jump up and down screaming how they are not biased and there's no bias here and they don't, they don't even know what the word bias means. They, they exacto knifed it out of their dictionary, right? I mean, this is, this is something that doesn't happen. We are not biased and NPR was particularly hurt and persecuted over the claim of liberal bias. So much so that they spent an entire series talking about how unbiased they were. In, in the grand scheme of things. But if you listen to them, of course they're biased. If you listen to the tone, it's biased. And it's insidiously biased. Oh, I love that word, don't you? It's insidiously biased. Because they don't even get some of their bias. This morning, I was talking to my, my little grade schoolers. You know, I've got a, a first grader and a third grader who both can, can sit back with the best of them and discuss economic instabilities in the global markets. But... I was talking to John specifically, and I said, so did you hear on the news this morning how they were saying that highly educated voters vote for Hillary Clinton? He said, yeah, that's not right. I said, well, why not? Why do you say that? He says, because the people who I know who are highly educated, none of them support Hillary Clinton. I'm like, right, exactly. I said, what about where it says that uh, college-educated women support Hillary Clinton? He's like, well, you know more than I do. I was like, well, I've got a lot of female friends who are lawyers, right? I mean, this is what we're talking about. They support Donald Trump. In fact, they overwhelmingly support Donald Trump. Now, maybe this is a microcosm and it's self-selecting sample and it's anecdotal, but I'm finding a lot more lawyer women who support Donald Trump than who support Hillary Clinton. And when I look at that and I say, but educated people support Hillary Clinton, then I guess lawyers just must not be educated, right? The four years of getting your bachelor's and three years of law school, seven years total, that doesn't add up to education. If you want to be educated, you've got to be really educated to support Hillary Clinton. I mean, you've got to be so so educated that you don't even know which way is up anymore to support Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting from this. If educated people support Hillary Clinton, well, I, the most educated people I know don't. So what is that? And with a very little discussion, I mean, it did not take us long to get to this conclusion, isn't saying, and I know that the, the instant retort would be, oh, but it's, it's just poll data, and you can't argue with poll data, that's not right. Well, I think that you can argue with the poll data, and here's why. When you start to say, um, educated voters vote Hillary Clinton, what you're saying is an ad hominem attack. What this is, is it, this is the most fancy way on earth of saying only dumb people would vote for Donald Trump. Get that? I mean, really, isn't that the argument that they're making is only dumb people would vote for Donald Trump? So, what do you do then? Okay? Do you call them out? 
Do you make a point of it? Do you say, oh, yeah, do you see what you're doing there? Look, I get what you're doing. You're, you're trying to dissuade me from voting for Donald Trump because voting for Donald Trump is what dumb people do. But that's not, not quite right either. I mean, if we go down that road, if we start to try to call them on it, then they instantly turn and go, oh, no, 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 it's just poll data. It's poll data. You just don't want to listen to facts. You're a denier of science. You can't deny science. This is the way the world works. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar too? Doesn't that sound a lot like the climate change argument? Disagree with our premise and you are a Neanderthal science denier that, that would, you know, chuck babies out with bathwater and refuse to listen to reason and, and, and you're a troglodyte and a Philistine and, oh my goodness, aren't all those ad hominem attacks too? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the problem we've got here is that when people disagree with a premise you have that they turn to an ad hominem attack instead of actually dealing with the issue or trying to refute or substantiate their claims? Isn't that the real issue that we're fighting? And isn't that always the, the bastion of the left? That instead of saying, hey, our our policies are better and that's why people should support us, they say, no, your candidate is worse. That's why we, we sh you should support us. Republicans turn to say, Hillary Clinton will destroy the economy because she wants to have open borders. Hillary Clinton is a horrible, horrible person because she's committed crimes and, and all the, these felonies and, and espionage and she shouldn't be allowed in office. Or Hillary Clinton has no business running because the Clinton Foundation has been a source to make her rich over the years and not really involved in charitable giving. And the left turns around and says, Donald Trump is, is you know, a, an abuser of women. Donald Trump is an angry man. Donald Trump is, well, let's talk about... You're, I mean, everything that's brought up against Donald Trump is a vacuous ad hominem attack. Everything that's brought up against Hillary Clinton is based in policy, practice, or procedure. Now, the sole exception to this is whether or not Donald Trump sexually assaulted women. If that were true, then that would be an act that would definitely shine light on fitness for the office. I, I will grant that, that that is not simply an ad hominem, that that may be based in reality. <coughs> but then we have to go beyond, is this an ad hominem attack to, is this true? And he's denied it, and his accusers are not credible, even given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, discrepancies in the stories pop up, unlike the stories that take place between the accusers of William Jefferson Clinton and, and the former president. I mean, the, there's a, a, a vast difference between what we see happening with Trump's accusers and with Clinton's accusers. It's very much like what happened to Herman Cain. Herman Cain started running. He started picking up popularity. Instantly, there's a sexual assault, sexual affair allegation. Herman Cain goes away. He goes back to doing a weekly radio show. Where are all the people out demanding his head on a pike they they don't care anymore because he's not running for president i mean there's and and donald trump if donald trump were to lose in a couple of days then you would never hear again about donald trump assaulting anybody but if donald trump wins then it's going to be something that hangs around his neck for the rest of his life because the political power structure doesn't knows that this is something republicans cave under and doesn't want him anywhere near the reins of power so Another thing that we need to talk about, and I'm not quite done with the media bias, but 
folks, I'm coming up on another commercial break, so I just want to save this a couple of times throughout the show. Go vote. For the love of God and all things holy, go vote. I don't even care who you vote for anymore. Just go vote. This needs to be the most massive turnout election in history, and I want to see every single human being in this country vote. Everybody who is eligible to vote needs to go vote. Everyone who's ineligible to go vote needs to show up and stand in line and be told to go away. Men and just gum up the works because it is time. It's time to show that Americans care about politics. So go get in that huge line, take the day off of work, call in sick, call in dead. I don't care. Get your butt in line and go vote because this is the most important election in American history. No doubt, no holds barred. This election changes everything. And why? Because we finally have someone who's not a politician running. This is the, the, the quintessential dichotomy between the old guard in Hillary Clinton and fresh blood and new ideas in Donald Trump. And which are we going to have? What makes a difference for America? Now, a lot of you people are going to sit there and say, well, yeah, well, my vote doesn't count. And you are absolutely right. No individual one vote counts. Statistically, your vote isn't even a blip in the whole world. So why bother to go vote? Because it's not just your vote. It is a trend. And what I'm trying to do today is motivate a trend of people to go vote. Not just one, not just you, but everyone listening to me. And if everyone listening to me will go vote, then that will make a statistical difference. Because right now, there's a half a million people hearing my voice. And of that half million people that can hear my voice, if they all went out and voted, that would change basically a half a percentage point in the national polls. Which isn't much, but it's sure better than nothing. And as those trends start to foment and to increase and to steamroll, then we get we get somewhere. It's awesome. It is truly amazing and awesome. So, folks, just go vote. I need every one of you to be in line on Tuesday. There is no more early voting in Georgia. Okay, that was ended yesterday. So you have got to go get in line on Tuesday. Get there, and it's going to be a long line. You're going to be there for an hour and a half. I can guarantee it, because everybody's going to go vote. And that's how we're going to prove that this system needs change, real change, not not Obama change where we just shuffle the deck and call it good. But I want someone who goes in there and cuts the Gordian knot. It's time. We stare at this thing. If you don't know this, I'm at a commercial break. I'll be back with the Gordian knot after this. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So when I took the last commercial break, I was talking about Gordian knots. Now, if you don't know the legend of the Gordian knot, this is, this is an important one for this election cycle, okay? So Alexander the Great was marching through Persia, and there was a giant rope and knot that was was held up. And the legend was whoever could loose the Gordian knot would rule all the world. So as Alexander marched his armies through, he stopped at the Gordian knot. And the, the story goes that he sat and stared at it for a whole day. It was intricate. No matter where you pulled on it, something else tightened and, and, and became more intertwined. There was no beginning or no end that you could see. It was 
an impossible conundrum. So what did Alexander do? Finally, after staring at it, he loosed his sword and cut the knot in half and said, with this, I conquer. So there you had it, right? I mean, this is kind of elementary thinking outside the box, creative problem solving, all the things that we worship now in today's society, the nonconformity, but the knot was loosed and he did go on to conquer all the known world, all the way to India. Alexander the Great not only conquered the Mediterranean, Egypt and, and Italy and all of Palestine, but he went all the way to India and conquered, something that even the Romans didn't dare do. So, I mean, it, it is, maybe it's kind of an apocryphal story. It, it doesn't really matter. It's passed into uh, what I'd like to think is common parlance of cutting the Gordian knot. And Donald Trump is the candidate who is going to cut the Gordian knot in this system. Uh, I see politicians even now flocking to his side, wanting to be in his coattails, where a month ago they were shunning him. Well, the truth is, is they realize that if this man gets elected, that he is going to bring down the sword on the Gordian knot and change the system. And they want to be close to him to be, to be protected rather than opposing him to be cast aside. So all of the politicians out there who are fighting against Donald Trump and who are not supporting Donald Trump or who undermine Donald Trump are going to have a really hard time. They're going to have a real bad day. Remember that line in Terminator 2? Yeah, anyone not wearing one million sunblock is going to have a real bad day. Yeah, everyone in the midterms is going to have a real bad day when Donald Trump is president. And that's the truth. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the upheaval. I'm excited about Congress being taken away from career politicians and put back in the hands of the people. I'm excited about things like the Bureau of Land Management being brought to under somebody's heel finally and made to leave the ranchers alone. And we've seen you know, what happened with, with the Bundy just two weeks ago, they were all acquitted because the people don't believe in this sort of garbage that the politicians do. The only person that NPR could find that supported or who was horrified at the decision and supported the Bureau of Land Management was a Bureau of Land Management employee. I'm sure that they scoured that town trying to find someone who would say, oh, yeah, this was a horrible decision. They disrupted our community. Not one. Not one average person could be found. And that's why they ended up with the Bureau of Land Management employee. Folks, this is the way media is going. It's going to prosecute a case, but this is not the end. You see, this is the beautiful thing. There's another trend that is going on with the media right now, something that I have never seen before in my life. And the Newt Gingrich interview is an exemplar, but it is by far not the only example of what's going on here. People are fighting the media. Interviewees are fighting the media. And have you noticed? Now, as a lawyer, I enjoy a certain um, invisibility cloak, a, a shield of protection, an aegis of office, if you would, um, when I'm cross-examining someone. If I am cross-examining someone and they start to retort at me, the judge will cut them off because they're supposed to answer my questions, not ask me questions. Now, once in my career, I, I kind of regretted having that shield because I had a guy on the stand who was a complete nut job, 
And I was kind of hoping to have a debate with him back and forth on why he did what he did in order to get him talking so that the jury could hear him confess. And when the judge realized what was happening, she shut down his questions for me because his questions for me were more uh, illustrative of his mindset than his answers for me, which was kind of unfortunate. But by and large... If if a interviewee for me starts to go sideways, I can shut him down and make him answer yes or no to every question I ask. Um, not so much for our poor journalists who have decided to become lawyers. They don't have that kind of protection. So our journalists start to get asked hardball questions back or challenge their premises. See, I can say, isn't it true that most educated women support Hillary Clinton? And my person on the stand would have to say yes or no or I don't know. But when NPR says to um, Donald Trump's top Latina advisor, isn't it true that um, Latinos are, are flocking to Hillary Clinton and avoiding Donald Trump like the plague? And she says, no, that's not true. And I, I resent the implication and I don't know where you're getting your numbers and I've never seen that study. And they go, um, um, well, well, it was, it was a study that was just published just, just, just this morning. There, there was a study in, in the New York Times that said that. No, well, there's a study in the LA Times that says differently. And there's a study from Rasmussen that says differently. And there's a study from Quint, Quintiac that says differently. And I don't know where you're getting your numbers, but my numbers say that 30% of Latinos support Donald Trump. And the newscaster goes, well, well, let's move on. Huh? <laughs> what happened there? The interviewee just smacked the newscaster's nose with facts and figures because they were ready. And newscasters aren't ready for that. They ask the questions. That's not the way this works because they're getting their show prep from watching um, Matlock and not getting their show prep from being journalists. They need to learn how to ask an open-ended question. And you're not going to get that from watching Perry Mason. You're not going to get that from watching Matlock. And you're not going to get that from watching Law and Order because the open-end questions don't make the TV shows because they're not interesting, right? You don't get to beat someone into submission with an open-ended question. Have you stopped beating your wife? I mean, that that's the kind of questions that they want to ask. And they want their, their interviewees to cower in fear as they ask these horrible questions. They want their interviewees to go, oh, my goodness, no, I I, I don't know. Just, just let me out of here. I, I can't beat your intellect and skill as, a, as an interviewer. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be led by the interviewer we're supposed to be answering questions from our heart and from the depth of our perspective right as an interviewee but the interviewees aren't playing the game anymore not with the interviewers going for the jugular and that's what we've seen we have seen constant call outs for bias for misreporting the facts for taking things out of context and the interviewers are flustered and they feel persecuted and they're circling the wagons and this is why you even see fox news going hard left in some ways to rally themselves against their interviewees no more softball questions no more mr nice guy because they are attacking our profession i I don't know that journalism is really a profession but they're attacking our profession so we're going to stand up to that lawyers will circle the wagons too when you start to attack the profession i mean there is there are horrible lawyers in fact 
just about every lawyer I've met has been horrible. I'll be honest. There, there are a few exceptions for how horrible lawyers can be. That Maybe that's why I'm sitting here talking on the radio and not in a, a million-dollar mansion rolling in money because I, I play the game the way everyone else does. But I'm telling you, lawyers are, can be horrible, horrible people, and they do horrible things, and they neglect their clients and don't do their jobs and rake in money and all the other stereotypical god-awful things that are accused are often true but it's an honorable profession for all those lawyers who are doing that sort of garbage they're the lawyers who went to law school at night and who are public defenders or prosecutors today who scrape by eating ramen noodles sometimes because the pay is so bad who pay for getting their clients airline tickets to make it to trial so that the witnesses are there to in order to prove their case, either as a prosecutor or as a defense attorney. I mean, there are people who make real sacrifices out of a love of justice and, and a belief that, that everyone deserves a good defense and that every victim deserves their day in court. There are good people doing this. There are people who see, you know, people mangled in a DUI accident and fight for them and, yes, get paid, but fight for them often for months or years with no money up front. There are people who do wrongful death suits and fight for months or years to try to get some compensation for for the family with nothing up front. I mean, there are people who really do believe in this system and it brings, you know, joy to my heart to think that I'm a part of the good parts of this and makes me cringe and shudder to think I'm part of the bad parts of this. And we all try to do a little better. That's a profession, right? That's what makes us professionals is that we recognize that none of us are perfect, that some of us are horrible people, but we're going to try to uphold some standards in spite of those people and do things that are right and good and just and pure and true and all the other things that make me ride a, a white horse and, and, and tilt at windmills. I mean, that, that's just who we are as professionals. And are journalists like that? I, I'm not getting that sense. I'm getting a sense of, of a clique, uh, an old boys club, even though it's no longer a boys club, but, you know, the, this sort of a part, and I'm over time. I'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. Um, so I need to mention that this is a georgiacarry.org radio hour and we need to get, um, more members because we have an upcoming legislative session and it's important that we get this upcoming legislative session rolling. Um, the legislative session is going to be a big deal this year. This is a kickoff year. We got a two year cycle. This is the first of a two year cycle. We've got a crazy governor in there who doesn't listen to the people who appoints attorney generals who have never prosecuted a case who has all sorts of cronyism going on. And we need to, to really dig in our heels and make our voice heard that this isn't going to stand. I mean, it's time for us to get something done, uh, particularly on campus, Carrie. You, you, the Tuesday, Tuesday, folks, you get to vote on four constitutional amendments. May I say, as an attorney, as a private citizen, as a member of georgiacarry.org, as the host of this show, not speaking for the board, but speaking for myself now, all right, from someone who has years of experience and diving and delving through legal issues and what a constitutional amendment would mean, vote no on every single one of those amendments. Every single one needs a big, fat no 
Government cannot do this, particularly the take away the school board's right to govern itself. The governor has no business managing uh, public schools at a local level. The federal government has no business managing public schools. The local school board is the closest election. And if you want to keep power and responsibility over your children's lives, you vote no. If you want to put your children in the hands of a corrupt governor, of a corrupt government, of the federal government, of all sorts of evil and and horrible, despicable people who will come in the future, of people who don't really care about your kids but care about power, then, yeah, give that authority away from your local school board. But you choose your school board. Your school board is responsive to you. It is the smallest, closest, most local election there is. And if you take that away from your local school board and give it to the governor's office— then you do not love freedom, you do not love security, you do not love your kids. There's no way that I can be more forceful and vehement that it's time to undermine that ballot initiative. No, on all the constitutional amendments. Now, that being said, the governor's position is being weighed on this constitutional amendment. His ability to co-opt the local school boards and seize power for himself is a measure of his political stability. And it is time to send the governor a message that although he may have the legislature in a state of constant fear over what he will or won't do, we the people don't care for him anymore. We're not giving you blanket authority over our children, and that's that. So vote no on all the constitutional amendments. Vote down Governor Deal's power grab, and let's do something right this year. And in and in light of that, once we get through this and Governor Deal has his nose smacked with a newspaper by the people of the state of Georgia, he's not going to be a happy camper going into this legislative session. He's going to be vindictive and he's going to be cruel. And we need to be able to counteract that. And we need to do that through numbers. And GeorgiaCarry.org needs more members. We need people who are going to be active, who are going to come to legislative meetings. We need people who are going to go to committee hearings. We need people who are going to go to floor votes and hold up signs and cheer and boo and hiss. We need people who are going to be there and who make phone calls and who send emails and who are going to be active and who are going to be vocal and who are going to be a part of it. And if you are that kind of person, if you are a person who is willing to go and stand there with a sign and a smile on your face because you are going to be there, if you're a person who's willing to go and shake a hand and say, I know who you are and I vote, if you're that person, join. Because if you're not joined up, then how are you going to know where you're supposed to be? How are we going to get you organized to be down there? I'm a community organizer, just as as much as Barack Obama. Look at that. We need to get you organized and get you down there so that we can have influence exerted so that the right things are done, so that legislatures or legislators are more afraid of us than they are the governor. And the governor needs to be more afraid of us than anybody else. It's time. We can take this country back. This election is going to do it. Get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. Get out there and join GeorgiaCarry.org. Go to www.GeorgiaCarry.org. Top left-hand corner. Click join now. 20 bucks a year, $500 for a lifetime. Go to a gun show. There's a gun show today in Cobb County. Go sign up. We got people there right now. You go. You sign up. You can become a member. 20 bucks. Um, 
Go to a chapter meeting. There's inside the perimeter, outside the perimeter, north, south, east, west, everywhere in Georgia there are chapters. Go to georgiacarry.org. Find a chapter meeting. Go there. Sign up. Go to the convention in August. Sign up. Although that's way too late. You need to be signed up for this legislative session. Go to just about any festival. Sign up. Just sign up. Become a member and get motivated and get moving and get out there. You've got to go to these hearings. We've got to make a stand. We've got to push forward things like constitutional carry. We've got to make the governor accountable. There is just too much at stake right now. So join and vote. Vote. I wish I could just sit here for an entire hour and say, go vote, go vote, go vote, go vote, because it is that important. It is absolutely that important that you get out there and vote on Tuesday. There is no more early voting. There's nothing else you can do. You've got to physically go down to your polling place and vote. Oh, Big shout out to Joseph Kirk. He is the uh, head of the Board of Elections in Bartow County. He's their their spokesman and go-to guy for the board. Um, wonderful human being, great patriot, wonderful man. I cannot say enough good things about Joseph Kirk up there in Bartow. Uh, he asked me to uh, give a public service announcement on the show this week. And so shout out to Joseph Kirk. Shout out to the Bartow Board of Educa- or Elections. And um, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, I really want to, but I'm not going to sing it. Now, do you remember the Johnny Cash song, Leave Your Guns at Home, Son? Just leave your guns behind. Don't take your guns to town, son. Remember that one? Well, don't take your guns to vote, guys. Don't take your guns to vote, gals. The polling places are gun-free zones. Just leave your guns behind, all right? Georgia does not allow, even with a permit, carrying of firearms at a polling place. Um, it's in order to prevent voter intimidation. And I can see that. I mean, if you had five or six big guys of whatever the opposite race you are standing in front of a polling place with an AR-15 across their chest, you might get a little bit intimidated. And I can, I can understand that. I think that most of us are respectful and the carry of our firearms is no big deal. And I think that if we aren't allowed to carry a firearm into a polling place and neither should be a police officer or anybody else, but that's being beside the point. It is the law. Obey the law. Don't get into any trouble. You don't want to have to hire me. You don't want to make stress for the poll workers. And that's all that it would do. So no open carrying firearms in any polling places. Let's, let's all be good. And, and, uh, there's my, my public service announcement for the week. We're, we're watching some really oddball things happening in this country, folks. We're seeing the news media turn into an activist wing. We're seeing that journalism is really dead. We're seeing bias left, right, and center. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, there, there's just bias on all sides. And maybe all the biases equal out to being an overall neutral environment. Maybe there's enough positive and negative that there's a balance. I don't know. But we need to be aware of it. We need to see the ad hominem attacks that are going on for what they are, that they're logical fallacies. We need to see the appeals to authority as logical fallacies. We need to realize that these arguments that are being made towards us are vacuous, and we need to base our opinions on something more substantial than the attacks of one side toward another. We need to get out there and vote. We need to start to to turn things around and show that Americans are involved politically and active politically. Millennials need to turn out in droves. Generation X needs to turn out in droves. Generation baby boomers need to turn out in droves. It's time for us to all go out and vote. And I want to see the biggest turnout in in ever. I want us to to triple 
2008 numbers. I want to see more people voting this year than ever before and totally break the system. It's time to break the system through activism and through excitement and through working hard and doing something. And that's what I'm calling on all of you to do this week. Election day is Tuesday. Go vote. Go out there and make your voice heard. Encourage everyone else to vote. Go up to your neighbors and say, have you voted? I'll drive you. Take people to their polling place around your area. Make sure people can get there. But go vote because this election is going to make a difference. This election will say, do we want politics as usual for the next eight years or do we want someone different? Are we ready for a third party? And I'm, I'm sorry. Trump is a third party. Look, when the GOP and the, the DNC both hate a candidate, they've got to be a third party candidate. And that's who Donald Trump is. He's the one hated by everybody. So he's the most third party candidate there is. It's time, folks. You know it. I know it. We're all going to get out there. We're going to make a difference. We're going to do something great. Show me your I Voted stickers at our, our Facebook page. Send me more fan mail like this, this Drudge Report thing I just got today. I, I appreciate it, guys. Um, until next week, what can I say? Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.